0: I just drank my scotch and grape.
1: Cheeky simian deities Bogey joins the clan, and Caring the Community done hammer-style, all on this 24th Midnight Video with your host Mipha Walsh,
0: and me Jim Hall, tonight you may remember it as a colourful martial arts TV show from the 70s, but we check out The Legend of Monkey, when it was creakily rendered as China's first full-length animated movie, in 1941's Princess Iron Fan.
1: Humphrey Bogart's far from cool and collected when his factory jobs threatened by foreigners, Convincing him that it's high time he joined the Black Legion.
0: And Robert Hardy demonstrates some tough love methods for dealing with hereditary madness in 1972 British horror Demons of the Mind.
1: So I've just about got over my hangover from last Saturday's meetup that we had. You had a hell of a party. <laughs> I did. I uh, enjoyed myself. Um, yeah, in an extracurricular manner.
0: Yeah, last Saturday we met up with a few of you guys for our first, hopefully our first of many midnight tipples. Although we'll be going to a different pub next time. Yeah. It was it was well. It was jam-packed at the Chandos and also I think we're all in danger of getting Legionnaire's disease from that leaking <laughs> air conditioning we were stuck under
1: it was pretty dodgy wasn't it Did Yeah, I,
0: I really thought it would be half empty on a Saturday afternoon but um, rammed, jammed and bent
1: it was alright though, I mean we had our own little corner it wasn't too bad
0: but no, great to meet up with some of you guys but, but yeah, uh, you, were, you were a bit silent the next day
1: yeah I, I left my phone off and I just watched crap films I tried I watched the first half of that George Harrison documentary I watched The Exterminator I watched The Football Factory with commentary by Danny Dyer and Nick Love that always gets me wow. yeah. this is your
0: equivalent of like a <laughs> couple of raw eggs <laughs> basically and some Yeah, some cold black
1: coffee <laughs> no it was a, it was a it was a slow but successful recovery and now you're back 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 yeah like ready um, for a Friday night jumpy jack flash <laughs>
0: Asian literary classic Journey to the West has been adapted into seemingly every possible medium, usually with results that look highly camped to Western eyes. The myth concerning a powerful, arrogant monkey god learning humility while serving a Buddhist priest and his travelling companions, a soldier of heaven transformed into a pig and a river ogre was turned into a highly popular feature-length animation by the Wan Brothers in 1941, adapting one section of the epic in which a hero's journey is blocked by an infernal mountain of fire. To pass this, they will need to do battle with the less-than-cooperative Princess Iron Fan.
1: Okay, we can't talk about this without mentioning the classic Japanese series of Monkey, which is how which I know the story out, out, uh, what I grew up with, absolutely. and I think most people listening to this will be familiar with that. Absolutely. I mean, was it a big part of your childhood? It used to be on BBC Two, yeah. certainly when I was about four or five, and I remember it from then.
0: Camp over the top. It was kind of like Adam West's Batman, but with a lot of that sort of Japanese <laughs> yeah. sensibility to it.
1: With a touch of uh, Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I
0: mean, this is another film which I was just looking around trying to find uh, obscure things to cover on the show. Um, and I was quite intrigued by the idea that China's first full length animation was based on this unsurprisingly
1: in some unsurprisingly. ways <laughs> but it is
0: weird to watch um, this it's a very creaky black and white film um, i'm not sure if people are so familiar with this felix the cat is he still mm.
1: or betty Boob that was kind of yeah uh, i'd say definitely betty yeah. Boob yeah it has a but lot of the, the looky mickey mouse stuff that i've seen yeah
0: just that thing when the animation seems bouncy all the time doesn't it the, the characters seem to dance and spray to it all, yeah, yeah. and people keep sort of whizzing around and transforming into things mm. Um so yeah it's kind of weird to see those characters you remember from the TV series in the 70s rendered in this very basic kind of animation. I say basic, I think it's still very good animation.
1: Yeah, it was cracking. Um it came out 41 so I mean Disney had been cracking the whip as it were up until that point anyway. <laughs> or maybe the Chinese communist government was well, as well. <laughs> that was what I was chuckling. <laughs> There's I mean, people involved with this surely must have been inspired by Disney to some degree. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, there, there are certain parallels, style, uh, stylistically, particularly with the music. Um, I thought, but yeah, it was thoroughly entertaining. I mean, it's quite short; it's just over seventy minutes. I think. Yeah, because
0: you you said you watched this first because it was the shortest running. Yeah. Time. Although <laughs> none of the things tonight are like huge epics are they? They're no. no. The... I've got to say I had some problems with this. Mm. prior to this because uh, another cartoon we were going to cover which was again the Wan Brothers and the adaptation of Journey to the West is there are two translations Havoc in Heaven or Uproar in Heaven which I did watch which is kind of the opening of the Journey to the West so it's just about Monkey right Wukong Sun Kong. Yeah. yeah the whole film was it was kind of like um, Tale of the Fox oh right I watched several, several shows back where it was he was this arrogant arsehole of a <laughs> monkey and he was just getting uh, the people of heaven were trying to sort of sort him out the people of heaven? <laughs> and it never came to anything after a whole watching an hour and a half of then coming up with plans and him scuppering them mm. and not emerging with any humility to him just being a complete dick <laughs> it just ended with him winning and you thought wow where's the rest of it? where's Pigsy and all this stuff? Yeah. and it just ends with that immediately before apparently in Journey to the West that's when Buddha steps in and um. Um, sorts him out and buries him under a mountain for 500 years, I think. This, on the other hand, picks up when they're on their journey, w- and it's, there's no introduction to it at all, is that? Not in terms of what the story's... What's happening with the characters? Not really.
1: It's just like I don't. It's like maybe picking up the Bible and opening up to a story yeah. in the Bible. You know, something yeah. like that. I mean, it is a sort of moralistic tale Yeah. Although does, questionably moralistic. <laughs> it
0: does have an odd opening, doesn't it? This
1: with the, the disclaimer. Of, yeah, saying mm-hmm. oh, people are familiar with Journey
0: to the West, but it's uh, it's a children's story, and you know, it, it tells you what the two major elements of this represent the fiery mountain represents the troubles that come along in life and the obstacles and the fan is kind of persistence and um, sticking with your faith. And this (laughs) is before we've come across those things. So (laughs) it's kind of weird then to just have a pig with a rake, a monkey, and yeah, I mean Sandy's not even really introduced at all, well, throughout the whole thing. He's a
1: stutterer, isn't he? Yeah, they seem to be, he's
0: kind of like Michael Palin in Fish Called Wonder. (laughs) He's kind of uh, throwing him in. But I did find that odd that it didn't have it didn't make any con- um, concessions for people who might not know that. So yeah, and like I say, in China it probably is so well known. Mm. As you say with the Bible, it's something you just yeah you just you're so familiar it. with it you can just go straight in.
1: But yeah, it does launch into it, and well, the basic gist of the story is that uh, they're journeying to the west. They reach this point where the, like, everything is overcome with heat and uh, fire and they have to use this fan they well have to before that
0: it. pigsy has to take his ear off
1: and yeah, himself he it with as it. a fan <laughs> nuts i thought it was great yeah. little touches like that i really enjoyed throughout but yeah so you've got basically monkey pigsy and sandy i, I can't remember the chinese names unfortunately but um, it's okay it doesn't matter um or sent out by the buddha character to mm-hmm. go and get this fan and immediately they come across problems because Princess Fan doesn't want to give it to them because apparently Monkey has killed her son. Oh, right. I miss this bit. Oh, right. This is like the, the crux wondered, of it all. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering why she was being so... Because she's married to... The Bull Demon King. Yeah, the Bull Demon King. Yeah. And they had a son in a previous story. Monkey uh, killed him and had sent him to heaven where he's living now but they don't see they just see this as like oh you killed our son whereas Monkey's like well no he's in he's in a state of grace now (laughs) what was happening there? well I don't know you need to you need to know about the previous stories yeah but there's
0: wow I feel terrible to have missed that because all the way through I was thinking well, why isn't she just giving them the fan it's no skin off her nose that's is it that's
1: why yeah that's.
0: and is that done with like a flashback or something no or no it's, it's just a, what they say or oh, you
1: killed uh, I think he's Red Dragon or something of a similar name who is the son <laughs> <Right. laughs> see they, they could have originally represented that couldn't they they could have done but where's uh, the fun in that <laughs> well it's kind of a film isn't it but it's just presumptuous isn't it it's like watching the second part of Lord of the Rings well, they just think you'd know the first part man well <laughs> okay well it a different slant on it now it do-
0: <laughs> okay well I'm going to kind of apologise to the film for that although I think you should maybe not just have one line of dialogue for that especially especially subtitles they should have considered me watching this sort of 70 odd years later.
1: Because they need the fan to call the demon, yeah, don't yeah. they? That's who is heating up the, m- the mountain.
0: Yeah, because they went to some great lengths to show what that was like, wouldn't they? That was quite nightmarish, I thought. Yeah, again, I really it was, liked it. Yeah, because you've got Monkey. Monkey's, again, very arrogant, and he goes straight in. S- he thinks he can get straight through, but uh, he's pursued by this head made out of fire. And it is just, I found it quite sinister. But then I think old cartoons like that do look
1: very kind of. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of the head in Zardos. <laughs> yes, no, it does It does look a lot like that. That really disembodied sort of floating beam. But it's
0: the speed it's going at as yeah. well. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's something about the entire film. Um, I'm not sure to what extent this is just, it was a weird transfer we had. Because it it's not in great nick, is it the actual print? No, not at all. A lot of it because it's obviously it's black and white. It's just line drawing, so uh, a lot of them look quite faded, and you can tell the. the, the some it goes really the black sometimes, doesn't yeah. it? But yeah, but also it it was kind of like a pan and scan job a lot of the time. Yeah. It really <laughs> kind of rolled backwards and forwards, like there was a viewpoint, you
1: know, yeah, a, a viewfinder thing. It was. Well, I was zooming lo- out and zooming in. I was otherwise. kind of wondering because sometimes. It, it, it's like the, there was a cameraman who was like drunk and he was like, oh, yeah. well, I've got to keep up with this movement and yeah, just wasn't doing a very good job. I don't there. know what was going on there. But
0: yeah, <laughs> I, another problem I had with this, um, g- going back to Uproar in Heaven, the reason I wasn't so keen to cover that film was it. I did find it kind of repetitive and dull because with that, as I say, it's Heaven trying to teach Monkey a lesson but eat, and whenever they fail, someone says, I've got a way to do it. And it's kind of like one of those old myths when it gets very repetitive. Mm. And ultimately, someone will come and have a completely kind of lateral approach to it. Um, this again felt like, because I suppose the the meat of this film is them trying to get the fan, isn't it? But it's not just a huge battle. They keep using sub diffusion things. There's a bizarre scene where well, monkey transforms himself into like a ladybird or something, bug,
1: yeah, <laughs> and hides
0: inside Princess Iron Fan's belly.
1: Yeah, well she drinks him, doesn't? She yeah. gets in her tea. She drinks him, and then. He starts shouting at her, and yeah, which I
0: could imagine being a kid in a primary school and having that read out, and it being quite a fun, weird scene. But then to have it rendered, even in something as strange as this, because <laughs> they seem to put some detail into the internal organs. Yeah, they did. Isn't he hammering away on her liver at some point? That
1: <laughs> something like I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Um, You're not into my
0: anatomy. <laughs> no, I, I I did find this a bit of a trial. It was just it was it was the nature of the storytelling. I couldn't quite get a handle on it.
1: I kind of enjoyed the storytelling because it was quite odd. I like the fact that it was weird, and it, it's a bit like when you, when you watch a studio Ghibli mm. um, without a dubbed version. You know, you just read the subtitles. Quite often with the animation, I'm a bit more lazy, and I'll just watch what's going on because yeah. it's much easier to tell a story with. Animation and I found this like nearly impenetrable by just watching. I did, it get... I
0: missed a huge, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, but I like that. That I mean, that really endeared it to me. Um, what I found a little bit disturbing was the whole moral standpoint where Monkey, Pigsy, and Sandy are basically the minions of Buddha, yeah, who is whilst they're all trying to get the fan, he's in town teaching the locals about um, enlightenment, about finding the path to righteousness or to heaven. Etc. you know they're using all these horrible tricks of subterfuge like you said, and they're like really nasty to to get this fan off the people whose uh, son they've murdered and wow. sent to heaven and it just seemed well wh- I don't really see what the moral um no, it th- the seem moral goal of this is quite questionable it's almost like if the, the, the sort of buddhi pre- were we'll called
0: Tripitaka, which is a translation in mm. the monkey TV series, is turning a bit of a blind eye although one of the things I really remember about the TV show was whenever whenever Monkey was going um, going ape with his, <laughs> having a fight and stuff Trippi would be very disapproving and used to do you remember had the gold band on his head yeah. that she'd he'd, he'd he chant sorry it was played <laughs> by a girl though. It? Uh, he'd chant and it would sort of keep him in check you know? mm. and there wasn't much sense here it was almost like well what I don't see we need know, this damn fan right <laughs> yeah we need this bloody fan so an odd little film Oh, would you odd, be tempted now to watch Uproar in Heaven? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's right. certainly. Because that's in colour. It's I'm beautiful animation. To. But uh, yeah. like I say, it's weird that it ends without any kind of morality at the end.
1: It's, uh, yeah. I'd I'd be interested to compare it to see how, yeah. if they've taken any more sort of uh, Disney-western stroke mm. animation techniques or ideals. Because the music in this is a curious mix of traditional Chinese music, which is pretty much rhythmless. And then lots of bombastic trombones I mean there's one of the oh yeah it's the fire demon and he it's like a really droning trombone and he sounds like the T-1000 in (laughs) Terminator 2 it's like can you just keep doing that for the next then it'll start sounding like irreversible (laughs) then we're all in a heap of trouble
0: To Z of movies through a midnight video.
1: Dum 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 da da dum dum dum. Shh.
0: Have you been working on that one? (laughs)
1: That was uh, off the cuff. No, we've
0: had an amazing amount of feedback. All of a sudden, a glut. I told you I was going to get on the case. You've been (laughs) kicking some ass. (laughs) Serious. Hey, those guys aren't going to be resting on their laurels anymore. (laughs) So yeah, thanks to everyone who's contributed. We've got a big run of stuff from a close personal friend. Mick196622. Was it Mick who sent us who? Sorry, who? Who? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Yeah. Mick's come back with a, a whole heap of feedback. So um, L is for Lady in a Cage, Olivia de Havilland, stuck in a lift, but learning life lessons. Not familiar
1: with. Nor me. Another L as well for The Last Mistress. Brea, or Brea, makes a new generation of Asia Argento fans. Does she one? need a new generation? I don't know. Yeah, you got to keep reading. She's not that it. old, is
0: she? <laughs> M is for Martin, my first Romero and possibly my favourite. No zombies, but look where that has taken him. <laughs> um, no, I, I saw Martin a long, long time ago. I don't remember being too impressed with it, but um,
1: I don't mind it. I quite like yeah. it. Actually, it could be my favourite Romero, come to think of it. Uh, M is also for my neighbour Totoro. My daughter's favourite, Ghibli, but she's only seven. Um, Again, these seem quite
0: barbed, don't they? (laughs) M is for Mystery Train. Saw it years ago on BBC and piqued my interest in Japanese culture. 20 years and 1,500 DVDs later. N for
1: Noriko's Dinner Table. My first indication that Shion Sono was going to get really good.
0: O is for Ozo Yasujiro. If you only get into one Japanese director, pick this one. Unless you like Samurai. (laughs) I like samurai. <laughs> yes. Um, this is Ozo Ozo, who yeah. Mark Cousins can't shut up about.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Again, yeah, I've not seen any, which is probably criminal in the eyes of the, all the Japanese. <laughs> no. Uh, well. Oh, yeah. Uh, P for paprika, one of Satoshi Kon's many masterpieces. Are you listening, Christopher Nolan? You obviously watched. I think that's an animation, isn't it?
0: Uh, I don't know we're sounding really ignorant on these <laughs> ones <huh? laughs> okay well I know this one P for Peeping Tom I love photography, luckily my dad wasn't bonkers you know Peeping Tom
1: yeah yeah no, In I, fact, I like it it's great. the next
0: time we have a midnight tipple mm. it's almost certainly going to be the Blue Posts the Alleyway Newman passage uh, yep. is where they film the opening of Peeping Tom I know the one well yeah, if well, we can hire a prostitute
1: to get picked up down there it's gonna, it'd be <laughs> I like think a, Estelle might be free though right?
0: man oh man <laughs>
1: I'm trusting your wife never listens to these. Speaking about prostitutes, P for Pickup on South Street. One of the great Sam Fuller's best. If only I didn't dislike Rich Widmark so much.
0: P is for Point Blank.
1: It's a man's, 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 man's worldly
0: Marvin. Grrr.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Film. I'm not sure if that's a good grow or yeah. not. P for Prime Cut. Marvin Hackman, Spacek, People Sausage. <laughs> WTF. I first
0: heard of that on Mondo Movie uh, I, it was on TV not so long after I heard the review and uh, I've still got it to watch I mean, I'm still eager to watch it but it's kind of there's lots of videotapes pulled on top of that videotape, the fact yeah. it's on videotape tells you how long ago it was <laughs> P for Princess Mononoke my favourite Ghibli, ignoring what my daughter says <laughs> I love the little image that's building up here and don't listen to the American dub.
1: Well, I don't think the dub's that bad. It's got, no. I think Billy Bob Thornton does one of the characters. I I like all the dubs for the Ghibli. Nicolas Cage? Oh, if only. Q uh, for The Quick and the Dead. Yes, it's not brill, but I am compelled to watch it every time I stumble on, upon it on TV.
0: So, thanks for those, Mick. Moving on now. Eric Nystrom. Hi, Eric. M is for Midnight Movies. MGM's wonderful releases, some in spectacular double features include such gems as Roger Corman's Poe adaptations, some creaky creature features of the 50s and some strange horror and or other exploitation
1: movies. I think I own them all, but I'm not sure. Highly recommended. And from Ross Giles, may I suggest The Quiet Earth for a Q, from the director of Under Siege 2 Dark Territory, no less. A fantastic kiwi post-apocalypse film with great performances and a haunting ending. If you haven't seen it, then might I suggest that you cover this one in a future episode. I would be keen to cover that,
0: but we are doing an awful lot of um, Pacific Rimings uh, around the next few shows. Adam Lowe's. Hi, Adam. N for Near Dark, a film which inspired many of those seemingly endless revisionists' works out there. It succeeds by taking the mythical life of the vampire, a word that is never actually used by any of the characters, and infusing it within a realistic setting using the rules of the genre to deliver some really distinctive twists on familiar set pieces. First and foremost, though, it's the central love story between Caleb and May, which really holds the piece together. There are a couple who make Bella and Edward look positively anemic by comparison. Well, <laughs> anemic. This is Twilight, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: he looks pretty anemic anyway, yeah, <laughs> side me. of buses. Then from your very good friend, yep. or our very good friend in yes. a virtual sense, Lyndon, Yes, Near Dark is pure class, and I'd have to put it up here if someone hadn't been to me to it. By the way, this is on Facebook, so they're sort of following on from posts. I'm going to nominate the Outfit, vastly underrated crime thriller from the 70s, with Robert Duvall playing hard as nails professional criminal, seeking revenge on the mafia when they kill his brother. Based on the Parker novels by Richard Stark, Brackets Donald E. Westlake, which also provided the inspiration for point blank and payback. Both decent adaptations with good lead performances, but I think Duval comes closest to the original Parker character with his cold, methodical way of doing things. Great support from Joe Don Baker as well. It's like, that's like some weird trilogy of films that uh, mm. outfit Point Black Paper. They all sound so similar.
0: Linden is such an expert on those kind of things. Yeah. Everyone else would sort of it. say, oh, Get Carter's a great film. He'll
1: know all of the other books mm. in the series and stage adaptations of it. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds awesome. I, I'm definitely gonna, definitely gonna see yeah. that. Out.
0: Also from Lyndon, for Q, how about *The Quick and the Dead*? Wow, it's all dovetailing elegantly. Sam Raimi's homage to *Spaghetti Westerns* with Gene Hackman revisiting his *Unforgiven* role and Sharon Stone in the Clint Eastwood part. Great supporting cast of U.S. character actors portraying an eclectic, not to mention eccentric, bunch of gunfighters competing in a last man standing shootout. The usual Raimi style, excitable camera work, and gory special effects all present and correct, if not in the same quantities as the Evil Dead series. Also notable for giving early major roles to Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio, but don't let that put you off. Yeah, I remember seeing that when it came out, and
1: um, I think the thing I (laughs) really loved was the CGI used for bullets going through people. People, yeah. (laughs) And from Mike Bloomfield, We've got N is for Night of the Living Dead. Still packs a punch, even after all these years, especially the incredibly upsetting end.
0: Which we won't spoil in case anyone's not seen. (laughs) Uh, Also from Mark Bloomfield, and P is for Performance, from our old pal Mick Jagger. I only saw this for the first time recently and wasn't quite sure what to make of it, but it's so odd, I'm going to have to watch it again. The film's completely unique, which is always a good thing.
1: We've got a few here from... The uh, Salt Man. The Salt Man. The Salt on Precinct 13. <laughs> M is Guy Madden, a Canadian filmmaker who uses silent film techniques to tell his weird psychosexual tales of obsession and madness. Probably a bit of an acquired taste, but well worth giving him a go. I've got a lot of time for oddballs who doggedly plough their own furrow. Uh, See much of him? Bits and bobs. Yeah. I've, I've got more than I've watched. Okay. <laughs> um
0: no I remember it was one of those films I was waiting years to watch uh Tales of Gimli Hospital. Mm. which I remember being pretty good but it wasn't quite this thing I'd waited twenty years to <laughs> watch. But it's it's good. Um but no I certainly enjoyed that and uh the saddest music in all the world I think. Also from Chris N for Nosferatu, the silent one. Everyone knows the iconic bits, Max Shrek's baldy vampire and the creeping shadows and all that. The thing that really struck me though is that it has a surprisingly strong f- lead female character for a film made in the 20s. Rather than simpering and fainting and falling in love all over the place like Winona Ryder, she gets shit done while her idiot husband is off hamming it up with Van Helsing and the boys. She works out what needs to be done to destroy the monster that's ravaging the town and takes, the ma- takes matters into her own hands.
1: Yeah, go, pal. Ooh. <laughs> Very quick one here yep. Kim Newman The dandy king of horror He surely is He's, although, the, d- he's the daddy of although horror Although Chris
0: can't see What you're wearing this evening <laughs> oh, No, That fedora hat doesn't you know, <laughs> Match the colour of your eyes Also from Chris P for Phantasm A creepy old man Terrorises people With his balls Along with Texas chainsaws No we've just done Kim Newman
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you old
0: wag. Um, along with Texas Chainsaw and Scanners, this was one of the first horror films I saw.
1: Oh, I love Phantasm. I, it's just so bloody out there. Should we do Phantasm stock at some point? Yeah.
0: How many are there? Three four. or four?
1: Cool. Okay. And um, cue for Quatermass: old school sci-fi horror that deals with fear of the unknown, the dangers of unchecked progress, and just your general Cold War paranoia thanks Mr Nigel Neal okay thanks guys keep coming in yeah um, actually I'll just make a little announcement now what we'd really like is for our Christmas episode we oh. thought you know because of the nature of the show uh, we do old films undiscovered gems not really new stuff we'd like some of your new discoveries of the year like it's an old film that you've never seen before um, and that's not your socks off basically how's your
0: year been let us know, uh, you know, a, a film or any films that's the first time you watched them, a bit like Performance that was mentioned earlier. can yeah, be as I'll, old as you like. I'll get round to it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, get it. Yeah, if you could, um, we don't know when we're recording that, but probably going to be the first week of December or something. Two so, or th- probably, you know. Two or three weeks. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you could get those in, that would be fantastic. It Just break up the uh, A to Z a little bit and round off the year in style. I will pray to an avenging God and an unmerciful devil to tear my heart out and roasted over the flames of sulphur.
1: Your image of Humphrey Bogart may be as smooth operator Rick in Casablanca, but as disgruntled lathe worker Frank Taylor bogey turns bigot when he's passed over for promotion in favour of an immigrant co-worker. Swapping his white dinner jacket for white sheets, it's soon a case of flame again Sam when Humph joins the swelling ranks of a sinister men's club in 1937's Black Legion.
0: I first heard about this from our friend Colin from the Scottish Review of Books. And when he mentioned it, you know, it was an email. He said, oh, yeah, have you seen Humphrey Bogart in this? I thought, you're making this up, aren't you? The <laughs> idea of Bogey and the Clan.
1: <laughs> bogey and the Clan.
0: Yeah. That, that was, should
1: have been the title. That
0: was uh, Boney M's follow-up to Brown Girl in the Ring.
1: <laughs> what did you think of it? Uh, I didn't really like it. Wow. It's one of the lesser films that we've covered for me <gasps> How many
0: Jonathan Livingston Seagulls does it get?
1: It, no, Out I of mean, a potential
0: 10 Jonathans?
1: It's much, much better than that. It's Compared to Jonathan Livingston Seagull, it, it's a film... It, it's just very predictable, very woodenly acted. It's very of its time. Mm. I know I should appreciate when I watch these films from that period that it's got a message behind it obviously it's oh, it's, <laughs> it's an anti-racism film from beginning to end I mean, I mean it just sets up the scenarios so blankly like it's, it, it's just it feels like a, one of those propaganda movies you know like the Reef of Madness I'm Glad you
0: said that yeah it feels very much like almost like those hygiene films about yes, you, know, yeah. you set up someone who's a sort of going off for a great night out and from the beginning you can tell that they're going to come a cropper and, um, mm. and in fact it does have this floozy character doesn't it yeah. Well,
1: yeah. yeah oh god yeah who has like she's on the phone at one point with this bizarre toy bird on her, on her shoulder it just
0: makes no sense and it's Jonathan Livingston Siegel <laughs> <it? laughs>
1: that bastard
0: they're all linking together <laughs> um, no you're, you're bang on uh, it it's a very moralistic film, as it should be, but it's almost like... Because the, the message is very important. I mean, it's it's mm. kind of depressing that this is still timely, isn't it? It's still... <laughs> <laughs> it always will be, probably. If your life's not going well, you'll blame the people who aren't like you, you know? This film, yeah, 1937. Um, it does feel like one of those um, government health warning kind of films. Mm. It's, it doesn't seem to have gone into any depth with characters or setting up a plot that isn't doing... I'm. Relu- I don't want to insult it, but it isn't like someone's thought through a plot. They've thought of a series of incidents that will illustrate that point.
1: Yeah, totally. So
0: it goes from, you know, all these workers hanging out together. They pick on the guy who's meant to be Polish. I guess is he? I've forgotten his name. The character.
1: I thought Jewish. Maybe yeah, his father but, um, was. Yeah. In that sort of stereotypical yeah. style. But they
0: this is the thing they start mocking him because he's reading a book and he's trying to design a new kind of slide rule, isn't he? Yeah. So they're kind of marginalising him because he's an intellectual. Hmm. And so very quickly when he gets promoted over Bogart's character, you know, you can see where it's going, and he's also got you know Bogart's work pals are kind of you know we should do something about this, and you do have the wonderful scene where Bogart is um he's been told about the Black Legion. And he goes to his local chemists (laughs) and has a bizarre series of kind of passwords (laughs) to go through with the guy, doesn't he? (laughs) Yeah. And then there is a nice bit because Bogart laughs at this this very (laughs) um, round the house's secret knock that the guy has, which wonderfully, in order for the film to work, even though the front of the thing is a chemist in daylight hours, it's... For it to work, he doesn't just go in the back and nothing's happening. It seems like there's a twenty four hour rant that's going on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> underneath, this, underneath the chemists. <laughs> but I like that Bogart laughs at the knocking. It's kind of the, it's one of the few touches in the film that takes it out of just being a very two dimensional piece of preaching and uh, yeah, like a as, like a health a health and safety film. Mm. It gives him a bit of personality.
1: Yeah, because it's interesting if you read on. It's either IMDb or Wikipedia that everyone at the time thought this was going to be his breakout role this was going to make him like it's going to really elevate his status and i can see why it didn't to be honest he had to wait a few more years because Mm. yeah that bogey that we all know and love from the 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 noir films and later on he's just not really present here he's just he it's by numbers and like you say you have that it maybe i'm being overly harsh on it i mean i was I was feeling really knackered and not really in the mood to watch, watch this Secret film. Secret knocks. <laughs> so I was like knocking back a few <laughs> expressos to keep awake, but it was still quite a struggle anyway. It, it, and the thing is, I don't know if that's if that should be an excuse that it's from that period or whatever, mm. because this films be- made before this and around that time that are way more engaging storytelling wise yeah. and uh, visually as well. I think this is one of those that's become a curio, you know, it's the kind of thing you email to someone else to say, mm. hey, have you seen that film with Bogie where he plays a racist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no. that's what it is, ultimately. It's kind of, it's slightly underwhelming.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, a good thing I'd say about it is, it's kind of the reverse of that. It's, it's Bogot not being the Bogot we know, who, mm. you know, he's... He does seem so effortlessly charismatic in those famous films, Casablanca or whatever. Um, to see him here obviously having to act, you know. And it's it's kind of that opening scene that I described when all the guys are on their lunch break. From the outset, you know, he's an unpleasant <laughs> character. He's not really doing anything too over the top there, but just his general demeanour and attitude seems like, you know, we've probably all worked with people like that who just are a bit, a bit of a loudmouth and do a very subtle kind of bullying and... Mm you know, separating people out. And then, you know, when he realises that the Black Legion isn't just a little club, it's something much more sinister. <laughs> he's forced to read out this vow. Uh, which I wish wow. I'd written out. It's quite a vow, isn't it? It, is it goes incredible. on about you know it's long, as well. it goes on and he's got a gun. <laughs> with a gun through head. his head. <laughs> yeah, throughout it. It's a bizarre thing. And you're thinking, yeah, that's it's times like that you realize how tough it must be to be an actor and mm. to try and do stuff like that with a Any kind of authenticity, (laughs) I think he does a really good job here. And like, the 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 crux of this is, it seems like there's the Bogart we know, which just seems like he's playing himself. But you you watch something like this and you're like, oh no, he is acting. All these, you know, he's he's projecting a personality in all of these roles. I think he does a good job, and he plays a drunk very well as well.
1: Plays a drunk superbly. Yeah, actually, that um, without getting all uh, down on it, there are some standout moments certainly. he, he has a friend who he works with called Ed, who's just become engaged to his sweetheart, mm-hmm. over a very weird engagement process as well. Yeah, she kind of bullies him over a milkshake. I yeah. Think, she? Uh, yeah, she tells oh, him what he's to got, say in because he's got, he's got drinking problems, hasn't he? Mm, Gerber, but he's yeah. been, st- in the meantime, he was seeing this floozy. She's yeah. basically the, the town hussy, isn't yeah. she? Her, her uh, husband's died at some point, and now she's just. She was know, killed by monkey, I think. <laughs> but this is the one I mentioned before, who was on the phone with like this weird toy bird on her shoulder. But there's yeah later on, um, Frank uh, Humphrey Bogart's character ends up with her, uh, and it's just this amazing scene. I've seen it played out on streets where mm. you see these like drunks, like, male and female, quite often they're probably smack as well to be honest like uh, heroin addicts for anyone who doesn't know what a smack is and they play out like, this bizarre sort of theatre of shouting and like incomprehension and it is quite captivating to watch stuff like it that it is horrible time. yeah and yeah. it's weird to
0: see that because you'd more than likely to see it in a Mike Lee or a Ken Lowe's yeah. film
1: and to see Bogart
0: in the kitchen <laughs> while she's drunk and singing and he's shouting from the kitchen shut up with that. yeah. that's not how that's you do you think he's angry at her for just annoying him by singing but then he goes and tries to sing it properly to her, <laughs> her end. like I say it, it must be so tough to play drunk like that and he's he's really hit the skids at this point because his life's totally dropped apart as a of involvement with this, um, which I suppose brings us on to something else. Given it's the Black Legion, you're going to think this is going to be quite lurid and exciting. You don't get a great deal, do you? Which is probably, I'm not sure really either for budget reasons or the Hays Code, uh, was restrictive on what you could actually show. But you, yeah, I kind of went into this expecting to see an awful lot of um,
1: violence. And, Mississippi um, Burning style.
0: Pretty much, yeah. But
1: that's something that was very interesting, is that... um All the victims are white Mm. victims as well. There's no racism as you would imagine it. I mean, just the the mere title, Black Legion. It seems like they're alluding to it, and exactly you you presume immediately. But But no, it's Irish, um, maybe Polish. It's anyone
0: you can blame on. Um, But it's an anti-racist film that seems almost racist in its exclusion of black characters. (laughs) Even though presumably they'd only be here to get sort of pushed around, wouldn't they? I would have thought so. Yeah because um. there's not a great deal of um you thought maybe the characters being picked on would come together you know and team up but it's more about that one character letting his hatred overtake him getting consumed by it and then at the end having to make a moral choice you mm. know uh, i agree with you it's not anything like it, it feels too much like a preach there's not a great deal of great storytelling
1: going on here i felt a bit short changed by it but i just think bogart's fantastic in it he is great, and th- there is a, a kind of interesting twist as well um, within the the Black Legion itself. Uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler though. Well, they all look so malnourished. But the corporate they? side of it, how it's yeah, actually it's yeah. a money making scam yeah. ultimately, mm. and because the you've got these bigwigs who you don't really know. There's just a small scene where there's some guys talking about how much money they're making from these uh, black legions setting up because the the people who join them have to buy their, their gowns and their guns <laughs> from them yes, the and then they work out that they've made nearly a million bucks and they need to spread it further out and there's just this bizarre sort of again it's kind of nothing's Michael changed has it? No, but, absolutely. You know, I thought that was quite interesting but yeah, overall, it was a little bit lackluster. Yeah, uh, my expectations are a little too high for
0: this. But uh, yeah, uh, I seem to say this after we watch any really old film. But uh, yeah, Bogart, who I've kind of written off as one of these kind of cool cat kind of characters who just gets pinned up on people's uh, walls at university. And I'd kind of like to check out a few more of his films. But if you have a good uh, Ku Klux Klan film out there you'd like to recommend to us, yeah, you know, we'd be happy to cover it on a. On a
1: when well, I say a good one, yeah. one that does a <laughs> oh my job. God, I was thinking that's a yeah. really weird choice of cut, words. Cut that all out. <laughs> cut that out. I think we could get misconstrued. How you doing,
0: Ed? Ooh, terrible. I feel like that drill was driving right through the top of my head. Hot off the press. Further, A to Z of movies through midnight video, but only the one. Hi to Rich Sampson. Hi, Rich. L is for Lansdale. Joe R back-to-back authors, but I gotta mention the greatest writer to come out of I've picked another one with an unpronounceable (laughs) name, Nacoduches, Texas. You'll possibly be familiar to Midnight Video fans as the author behind the stories that inspired Bubba Ho-Tep An Incident On and Off a Mountain Road, Masters of Horror Season 1. His novel series about a middle-aged hippie Vietnam draft draft dodger and a black homosexual kickboxing Vietnam vet Hap Leonard which I think Humphrey Bogart was going to do a <laughs> film version of are like the Hardy Boys on crack and begging for a movie adaptation
1: indeed they sound like they wow. need to be that sounds brilliant I do you want to try
0: and pronounce this Uh, Nacogdoches, Mac- Nacogdoches. Macarena
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey Nacogdoches <laughs> cheers Rich yeah I'm not familiar with him though no I, I've never heard of Lansdale it's mm. all I didn't on. even know he was anything mm. to do with Bubba oh. I thought that was a Coscarelli creation about it uh, what do a I era. <laughs> um,
0: but yes we also have some very generous feedback from our pal Michael Little um, hey hi Michael. Michael, we have had to cut this down though considerably and boy it's still going to go on for <laughs> but we love it <laughs> that,
1: that, that sounds really, oh it's going to go <laughs> on
0: no no, no 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 I always enjoy reading it I mean, I've given you the one with the most tongue twistery kind of <laughs> elements to it So, anyway, Michael says, Your coverage of House of Frankenstein has sent me on a headlong plunge back into Universal horror movies that I've never seen before. After listening to the show, I immediately went out and got copies of House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, and Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, and I couldn't have enjoyed them more. I only wish that Universal had kept making these monster-filled crossover team-up movies for a few more years and put out a couple more after House of Dracula like maybe Visible House of the Invisible Man <laughs> I can't get enough of them I even got desperate and wa- <laughs> I love this, yeah. <laughs> this is like the g- he hadn't got any drugs left yet, so <laughs> I even got desperate and watched one of those cheap 70s Spanish poor nashi werewolves starring monster medlists called Assignment Terror aka Dracula vs. Frankenstein not the no doubt abominable Al Adamson, Adamson movie of the same name Cut with baby laxative. <laughs> uh, I want to make one of these myself. Why hasn't anyone put these classic movies into space yet? Sorry, classic classic monsters into space yet. We all know Pinhead got a go, and he's a chump. <laughs> Man, referring back to one of Michael's earlier letters. <laughs> also, I think it would be a cool idea for someone to go back and adapt another old-fashioned vintage classic ghost monster story novel like The Legend of Sleepy Hollow or something and film it like a lost black and white universal horror entry from the 30s or 40s. Can you imagine a spooky black and white Jack Pierce crafted headless horseman joining the now archetypal iconic monster pack ranks of Frankenstein Dracula, the Wolfman, etc. Cool. Can you imagine that?
1: I can, yeah. It'd be no, it's fucking awesome.
0: No, uh, Jack Pierce of people. I mean, well, we did it's the make-up, kind of getting into
1: like what Alan Moore and yeah. Co have done with League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I think yeah, except this
0: sounds fun. <laughs> hey,
1: what, what uh, are you saying?
0: The first two League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, absolutely fantastic. Uh, but okay. then it becomes more a game of can you spot the reference after it's that. It's true. But anyway, also, dare I ask, but I'm curious as to what both of you think about the new Joe Johnston Wolfman remake.
1: hated it. I walked it. It's the first film in many years that i've walked out of the cinema blimey i really disliked it
0: i skipped it for a long time and heard nothing but bad things probably from you (laughs) but when i finally watched it the other day i have to say that i absolutely loved it it was atmospheric full of foreboding dread and intensity beautifully shot and had a great loving vintage look a great loving vintage look feel and flavor to it I was also really delighted to find that it wasn't a phony CGI werewolf on all fours like I thought it was going to be, but rather a surreal, old-fashioned, live-action, made-up bipedal, upright man-wolf. And it looked great. So you didn't like it.
1: I hated it. I thought wow. I thought the actual wolf, wolf transformation was such a letdown and very CGI'd. I thought mm. Benicio del Toro just looked hungover throughout it. Uh, Anthony Hopkins was just like reading his lines as though he was a blind man. He and tends to like keep me
0: clear man. of films a bit.
1: Um, yeah, H-hop-hulk. it was it was alright in Thor, but I I thought that I thought tonally it was all over the place. It didn't really. It felt like a film that had had a troubled production. Right,
0: I I've not seen it, but I'm I'm going to have a look at it.
1: You know, yeah, I, I wasn't
0: I mean, too taken when it came out. There's something about Del Toro I don't really. Like, but also my girlfriend at the time was very keen to go and see it, so I was. Just, <laughs>
1: That's uh, already I mean.
0: it I dug my heels in and went. Um, okay, and the Michael, second part. Michael goes on. Yes,
1: in a good way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Po- part two. And Michael, I, lo-
0: remember, Michael loves their English accents. Yeah. <laughs> so I want you to be as uh, plummy as possible.
1: And I quite actually enjoyed Radioactive Dreams back in the day. Radioactive Dreams is a mess, though all of Pion's movies are beautiful messes. He's got a great gonzo, clusterfuck genre filmography, longer than my arm, and I like to dip into it like a fine wine cellar from time to time. One particular project that he was involved with that I retain a fascination for is Journey to the Center of the Earth, the nineteen eighty nine Canon version, directed, those are in uh, quotation marks, by Rusty Lemarand. Have you seen this? i found that I really love any and all of Verne movie adaptations or Verne-esque period fantasy adventure movies or in this case, movies that started out to be Verne adaptations but devolved into incoherent, nonsensical, cinematically dyslexic wonders. <laughs> Talk about a haphazard, slapdash, head-scratcher of a contextual drama That's <laughs> what production. I'm talking about. <laughs> Abrupt exits of characters, shifts in tone, expensive-looking set pieces crammed into random dream sequences, etc we're talking about The Wolfman <laughs> right. apparently Lemurand finished shooting 90, 95% of his scripts, and only needed some expensive special effects shots to finish the film but Canon was nosediving at the time and soon to go under so instead of bankrolling a few SFX shots they got good old Albert Pionn who was finishing filming Alien from LA itself a coincidental (laughs) haphazard vern inspired fantasy adventure to hold over some of his actors and sets and film a whole new 70% of the movie. MGM even decorated the DVD cover art with creatures from Lemeron's original version footage who are no longer in the movie save for the dream sequence. It still tickles me that places like Walmart had this stocked up on the shelves in the past. To tie in with the 2008 3D version of Journey to the Centre of the Earth. Yeah, so they're selling to unsuspecting Joe Popcorn Walmart shopping movie viewers who were expecting a legitimate movie and instead got a what the fuck mind onion straight out of a level existence. I <laughs> 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 could scarcely comprehend.
0: Oh my goodness. <laughs> a mind onion? <laughs>
1: This sounds fantastic, though. Well,
0: we need to see this. We need to see this. We'll most certainly cover it.
1: Michael's gone to the uh, year. <laughs> the, the, all the All the efforts of writing this out. <laughs> and then w- we finish with, speaking of such things... <laughs> such things? <laughs> Have you guys seen the trilogy of space wonders from Alfonso Brescia? That's your answer. <laughs> Cosmos, War of the Planets... War of the Robots and Star Odyssey, you know the ones you find on every bargain sci-fi set. They are true masterpieces of the unintentional avant-garde of cinematic dyslexia. God bless people like him who try as they might to copy the conventional formulas for narrative filmmaking, a wrong thing to do in the first place of course, they just can't seem to filter it correctly and unleash sublime gonzo spectacles such as these films. But I found an old VHS release of Cosmos War of the Planets with great cover art that won me over, and I'm sure glad it did. Each one seems to get successively more insane. Okay, that's enough rambling for one email. Keep up the good work. Wow. That's
0: yeah, thank you very much, Michael. <laughs> no, genuinely, that those those two films he mentions, uh, well, it's more than two, isn't it? The, those two areas of films <laughs> are very yeah. interesting. We've definitely had to... Definitely uh,
1: the Limeron's journey to the centre of the earth and uh, yeah what Alfonso Brescia? never heard of him but i need him in my life (laughs) cheers michael thank you very much a pleasure it's nice to know that people can uh, write more than 140 characters in a twitter age yes (laughs) good stuff the world is chaos we must try to find some order in our small part by
0: 1972 hammer horror's bloody rain was drawing to a close a ghastly period in which Dracula was hanging out in swinging discotheques and sequels to sitcom On the Buses were the studio's biggest hits. It's easy then to overlook Robert Hardy as a wigged-out patriarch keeping his son and daughter under lock and key to prevent their lusty, incestuous appetites getting the better of them in 1972's historical melodrama Demons of the Mind. It's
1: been an interesting one tonight. All three choices are from your good self?
0: Um, yeah.
1: Or discovered? (laughs) <laughs> By you? Um, you, you wow, just you're get, just I'm, flapping your arms I'm around. I'm gonna hold dismay. my hands up. I, I'm not a massive hammerhead shark <laughs> or amicus or tygon fan. Um, I know of them. I'm aware of their the history, the 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 gravitas that they carry. Uh, but
0: hold on, demons of the mind
1: wasn't my choice.
0: Yeah, it was. No, it was yours.
1: No, it wasn't. It was. It can't have been. It was
0: your choice. Really? Yeah. When? When we discussed what we were going to do over the next kind of 10 shows or something, you sent me a list of 10 or 20 or something. It was definitely your choice.
1: I'd never heard of it before. Oh, neither have I. I was just going to have a go at I have no idea. Wow, this is <laughs> like, this is like a split personality thing. Definitely <laughs> it
0: wasn't mine. I may even have the email you sent.
1: Oh, you've got to send that back to me because I've I've no idea why I choose this.
0: So when you sat down to watch this the other night,
1: did you even know the title? No, you didn't know what you were letting yourselves
0: in yourself in for. No, I didn't. It definitely wasn't my
1: choice. Oh, strange. Maybe someone's asked us to do it.
0: Possibly, yeah. Maybe, but but definitely wasn't mine. Because I remember looking up and thinking, "Oh yeah," because Phil's not that big on Hammer, but this is obviously a bit of a. A curiosity, because it's from the end. <laughs> it's,
1: it's most definitely a curiosity now.
0: Wow, seriously, we're not making this up. This I is a genuine... It, you don't remember suggesting I, it. I have no And when you sat down, you don't remember, oh, yeah, this was something Nothing's fine
1: I mean, there's, like, obviously there's actors in there who I know. Yeah. And, yeah, I have no idea where this came from. I thought ah, it was one of your choices. Definitely not,
0: Well, no. <laughs> right, so- I'm going to have to
1: go over some of the next
0: about 10 shows we've got lined up and see if you remember everything because yeah. you, you've told me to get rid of Trackman
1: oh I definitely want you to get rid of Trackman right yeah, he's that's gone right. Yeah, he's the Trackman's gone baby <laughs> he's off wow. the rails
0: wow okay well so it sounds like you had a big preamble there blaming
1: me for this even though <laughs> yeah. well that backfired <laughs> you're like it.
0: Norman Bates I'm,
1: I've got a demon in my
0: mind wow so <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing this didn't really rock your uh, socks off
1: it kind of did in some ways it kind of rocked
0: your socks <laughs>
1: One sock came well, off. One, just wobble. <laughs> yeah, um, I quite liked aspects of it. She is very attractive, isn't she? Bloody hell, she's gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: very beautiful. So, come on, take us through this movie that you the, insisted I covered.
1: <laughs> God, man, I feel really bad though. <laughs> it's like you not knowing me that, the, that m- the, the main part of Princess Iron Fund was... That's the
0: me <laughs> not reading a <laughs> subtitle, one subtitle.
1: Hey, man. This, this,
0: this is you not knowing what your left hand's
1: doing so come on well it's in Bavaria or somewhere like that in the turn, <laughs> of, the, turn of the uh 19th century perhaps <coughs> it's in Hamerland, I mean, it, it's period it opens up like Dracula or something with the carriage and the black horses mm-hmm. going through the forest and then as the story progresses you've got a, a bourgeois rich family with a lot of madness going on you've got uh the the Pater familiar robert hardy aka Siegfried from all creatures great and small oh yeah hamming it up like nothing i've ever seen he's very energetic isn't he wow. and his uh, dunderheads are
0: quite something <laughs> <laughs> amazing facial hair going on yeah but i was surprised because yeah for listeners of a certain age yeah, all creatures great and small he was a mainstay there but he still he still does a quite he's, Harry Potter movies
1: he's oh, yeah. the head of the universe well, I've not, I've not seen
0: them but I read the other day he was meant to be in one and they cut him out because it was too expensive to insure him
1: oh really he's over
0: 80 now yeah.
1: he, well he's been in a few Yeah, he's been in a few
0: something I want to say with this
1: is it feels
0: like it should be a quality product hmm. it's not like I mean I do I've got happy memories of Hammer although watching them again now a lot of them don't really hold up um, but I'm you know Nostalgia for them. Yeah. I'd not seen this one before until you, you know, you say, (laughs) If there's one film we've got to do, (laughs) it's Demons of the Mind. I said, What's that? He said, You've never heard of it? (laughs) Um, See, now to watch this, it kind of has the second tier of British acting in it. So there's Robert Hardy, uh, Michael Horden is this crazed preacher who's kind of rambling around the countryside. He's like Chaucer.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah
0: and uh, Patrick McGee not to be confused with Patrick Mcnee who people know from Clockwork Orange um and yeah he was like one of Samuel Beckett's favorite actors I think he may be I might be wrong I think he wrote he Crap's wrote. Last, last tape for him He
1: did yeah, yeah.
0: um they're not like the top rank but they seem they they seem to have a sort of Air of quality to them, even though all three of them did any old crap. If the man is good, but then hey, so did. Uh, given I watched Wild Geese the other week, <laughs> that's, they, uh,
1: they made the names on the stage, yeah, didn't they? They feel
0: like they're quality thespians yeah. rather than you know blokes off the TV or something. But yeah, the, and and the emperor—it's not really a supernatural movie at all, is it? Mm, even though it has those trappings no. like the the horse and carriage at the beginning, it looks like it's trying to do Hammer still but the feeling as uh, even though I think this was an original story it feels kind of like um, a, it could have been a gothic novel or a short story by a Jane Austen or a um, Bronte or something yeah. <laughs> one of the Brontes
1: oh definitely yeah
0: because yeah, it's more about these um, it's more about the, the, the I'm presuming they're meant to be teenagers aren't they yeah. it, yeah. it's more about these poor kids being locked uh, away good. and suffering from their, the, the prejudice of their their father and stuff it feels like it's trying to be a horror where it can but never quite pulling it off
1: yeah it, it, well yeah it, it's quite uneven in tone i think hmm. it started off really strongly i thought in um there's the scene i described earlier with the the horses running through with a carriage through the forest and then a, um, a fair hand a fair of a maiden hand. reaches out of the carriage and then is quickly with, uh, pulled back in and a flashback sequence commences of the daughter of Robert Hardy is being locked up, has obviously escaped from somewhere, and she's wandered into the middle of the forest. Found this doctor who's studying in the middle of the forest, played by Paul Jones, yep. who was the main star in Privilege, which I mm. watched earlier this week. All right. Which I found quite amusing <laughs> because, like, I didn't know who Paul Jones was. Uh, from Manfred Mann, I yeah. think he was the lead singer. Of. And I st- yeah, I watched um, Peter Watkins' Privilege earlier this week, which is absolutely amazing. I wish we were <coughs> reviewing that. I loved
0: it. I was I, that was well. Let's not go off onto Privilege. We m- we'll have a pint maybe. But
1: later. it was funny to see Paul Jones dressed as um, Paul McGann from Doctor Who. <laughs> <as> Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's
0: him and the the, the teenage son in this. Uh, you have to remind Yeah, but uh, who's better known in Shane Amos... Bryan? I think he's better known in Hammer Circles from um, Frankenstein in The Monster from Hell. Mm. They look quite similar, though, don't they? They've got this kind of sandy hair and they're a bit Byronic,
1: Mm, kind of, yeah.
0: But Bryant, we know, must be mad because he's wearing a bright orange Orange shirt, shirt.
1: yeah, very, very tight trousers. (laughs) Yes, looks like he's just walked out of uh, a club in Shoreditch.
0: Yeah, the basic setup is just Hardy is convinced his kids are at it. And he wants. He's, there's a family history of madness, and he's trying to prevent this happening by keeping them locked away in separate rooms, bleeding them. Um, mm. Well, certainly bleeding the daughter, the daughter with yeah. this bizarre looking. Because we
1: need to see her breast, obviously. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is late hammer, obviously. <laughs> um, the nurse, who's also the girl's aunt, isn't she? Um, has this bizarre device for bleeding, which looks like a weird kind of executive toy pencil sharpener <laughs> with retractable <laughs> blades. I wasn't sure if they were bleeding her to keep her weak so she couldn't escape or whether it was still in the era of bleeding humours out of the body to try and sort of physically take the...
1: That kind of uh, lends itself to the whole um, the family of madness. Mm. I, th- I suppose bleeding her is yeah. saturating. Yeah. Saturating? Purging? Uh, purging. Right. right. Yeah, the opposite. Uh, uh, the bleeding is sort of purging her of um, the family problem, yeah. as it were. In so it is
0: kind of the old idea that doctors used yeah. to physically. They thought the humors of the body were manifested. Mm. Kind of all these, things. but it's clear the setup is actually that Robert Hardy's nuts and the kids are kind of pr- perfectly fine. Yeah, but into this you get Patrick McGee as a medical charlatan who turns up with this bizarre-looking glass contraption. Um, which I'm not sure what he was going to do was he going to sort of hypnotise Robert Hardy some sort yeah, of yeah, he was re- regression hypnosis type thing going on
1: well he was very convinced that he was going to cure mm. Hardy and his family yeah. of the uh, affliction of yeah. the malady whatever it was Yeah, incest mm-hmm. but as we all know you just can't you can't cure people what are you going to do <laughs> um
0: so yeah, you've got him and Michael Horden, as we said, um howling in the wilderness.
1: Yeah, cuz Horden's like very removed from it. You've got kind yeah, of two whole his... separate strands as well yeah. where you've got the village where mm. people are being killed as well,
0: where where bodies keep turning up. Um and this is it they try and well, they don't try and create a mystery about it. I think we we're meant to draw a conclusion and which is it's witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, cuz you do then have um I think it's a scene that's probably been highlighted in a few other reviews uh, with the villagers having this this ceremony where they kind of manifest death as a scarecrow they're sending death to hell I think was their song
1: the carrying out death ceremony isn't
0: it yeah which it's weird because this would have been kind of around the time of Wicker Man and mm. Blood on Satan's Claw in fact possibly a bit before them so this is a completely useless <laughs> theory to come up <laughs> with it was <laughs> almost like there was something in the air then I don't know if Black Magic I think Black Magic was being qu- was quite um, hip at the time wasn't it with Led Zeppelin and
1: well yeah Crowley yeah. With the sort of resurfaced yeah. uh, people like Burroughs were writing mm-hmm. about it uh, and Jason. yeah but it's yeah. odd that seemed to be a, a, a sort of thing you had to have in your horror
0: movie at that point mm. but yeah these dead bodies women isn't it I think always yes yeah, so yeah. blonde women who blonde looks women. like uh, yeah. Zorn's so daughter so there's kind of a mystery going on Zorn being Robert Hardy's character so yeah yeah this was a disappointment it felt to begin with, in the first ten minutes, I thought it was going to be something a bit special, and then it just really failed to go anywhere. And like mm. I said, the whole thing of having these kind of quite quality actors was a bit of a false dawn as well. It didn't go anywhere with it.
1: Well, um, I find it, it got quite dull because the, like, the acting was like really hyped up as well. It was like overamped, um, especially Hardy. He's just—I don't know how he kept up the energy for that role. He must have been on amphetamines <laughs> or something. It's <laughs> nuts. And McGee. Uh, as much as I like Patrick McGee, I, I'm quite fond of him. I, I love his speaking voice; he has this almost like growl.
0: He growls, and he looks like an arthritic chimp.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and he's he's wearing this sort of like purple robe and a matching purple cane at one point. And yeah. Like, wow, he's like he's pimping it up here, but the, even those like wild elements, um, it just got a bit too much. Well, not even too much; it it, it never got enough in you know, mm. the. It just sort of floated around and languished um, in this in these weird moments where, like, like we said before, you know, you have these like pointless scenes of nudity. But it just didn't add anything to it. it was, not even they, titillating. They well, seem to be
0: the only scenes where someone was in control and thought, if we're going to sell this film, we need to have that in. Because yeah. this is it's it's always a bad thing for me if I'm watching a film and thinking who took this script to a producer and that producer said no actually who who was the man with the money he went yep that's a movie we're going to make that's going that's going to break even at least isn't it mm. you can't imagine anyone looking at this script and thinking that's ready to go it just doesn't seem to have any focus to it it's no, all over no. the shop and then it's like yeah hordons one of the most interesting things in it that character of the preacher and yet he he vanishes and there was actually a point when yeah. I thought is that the last we're going to see of him yeah. he's not been <laughs> in it for 20 minutes and then he does you know there is a big finale with him but yeah um, I can see why this has vanished a bit it, it's not the last hammer uh, it's it doesn't really fit in with the supernatural thing at all it's it's I don't even know why I chose it. Why you? Don't, <laughs> you tried to wipe it from your brain.
1: <laughs> I must have watched it straight after recommending it. Yeah. And then well, and... I did bleed the humour of the, <laughs> the, the, the
0: film choice from you. It's just an oddity. I've got. <laughs> well, we're ending the show on a bit of a damp squib, I'm afraid.
1: No, I'd, I'd say watch it out of curiosity. It's definitely worth a watch. Like everything apart from Jonathan Livingston sequel, it's worth a watch. <laughs> oh. For my lines are filled with a sore disease. It's quiz time! By the time this is up, yeah. the third quiz will be up. I might put it up like a day or two before, But so if you follow yeah. us on Twitter or on Facebook, I'll uh, alert you via that. But or Otherwise, just keep checking back on the website, where you can look at all the nice, lovely stills of the films we've been covering.
0: Quizzes are fantastic. <laughs> I think people are really enjoying them. Sorry, I've got a mouthful of uh, <laughs> Mr. Kipling's rhubarb and custard yeah, not code, uh, pie yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, no, Phil's just shown me Quiz Three while we were. Um, were we having some steak and ale crisps? We were. Yeah, um, another tough one. I only got about three, but they really give a flavour of the kind of films Phil, when he can remember when he's picked them, <laughs> <laughs> likes to watch. Yeah. So yeah
1: get in there it's a shame
0: we can't put them up on YouTube because I think they might draw further people in but alas and alack it's just not possible
1: and if you haven't checked any of the other ones I'll go back they're Mm. all there on the website which is www.midnight-video.com or
0: get in touch with us through Facebook just give us a little search I should really by now really know all this off the top of my head (laughs) or send us an email to midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk
1: like Michael Little does
0: yeah, send us an email as long as that.
1: <laughs> no, that's good. I always like. I, I love reading out what you guys are thinking, not just on Twitter, which is at midnight video. We've covered all bases now. <laughs> but you know, it's it's really good. I I don't know how important it is for you guys. Maybe I should put up another little poll on uh, Facebook to see what people think of listening to their fellow listeners, <laughs> listening to the
0: listeners. Watching the detectives,
1: <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, thanks for all the feedback. Thanks for listening, as always. Um, thanks for coming out to drink with us. Hope we yeah, can do we that we are going
0: to be doing that again. Hopefully in January. In fact, we should mention that now.
1: Yeah, we yeah. are going to um, which we've just done. Better.
0: Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Maybe January. second
1: weekend of January. I'm just yeah. We
0: can all now. all find out what we had for Christmas.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I hopefully, the mystery of demons of the mine will have been resolved by then. <laughs> yeah that's a weird no it was seriously it was great to meet you guys last week so and hopefully there'll be people who were unable to make it will be able to make it you can tell we're not scripting this (laughs) hopefully there'll be more people next
1: yeah well not too many (laughs) rounds get pretty expensive yeah but (laughs) at
0: least we're not standing under a leaky air conditioner (laughs) bye good night
1: (laughs) All They came round, although I'd warned them and there was nothing but sausages and vodka in the house. <laughs> she said, I like them both.